Jeremy was singing out of one of my favorite scriptures. In John 2, it talked, of course, you know, the, this wedding at Cana. And, uh, you know, here Mary has been carrying this promise in her heart for 30 years. You know, she's given this. In fact, turn with me to Luke 1. Let's look at this. You know, because how many of you know what, what season we're in? Hanukkah, right? And Thanksgiving kicked us off into Hanukkah. And it's interesting, Hanukkah uh, is, 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 is multiple feasts. It's, feasts of, it's a feast of rededication, the rededicating of the temple to the purposes of God and the worship of the Lord. It's, it's a feast of conception. How many of you know that the time and the season we're in right now, Jesus was not born at Christmas. We know that. He was born during the Feast of Tabernacles. He came and he tabernacled among men. He came and he took up flesh. But he was actually conceived during Hanukkah. And so we're in a season of conception. We're in a season where the Holy Spirit is wanting to overshadow us, much like he overshadowed Mary. See, all you guys are just scrolling in your Bibles. I'm actually turning in my Bible. But I feel like we're in a season right now where the Holy Spirit is looking for Marys to overshadow. And it's because of the favor. What's up, reward? How you doing, bro? Come on now. Reward is in the house. Come on now. I remember the first time I met reward. We were talking about, you know, that God has, has apportioned a, a rewards, you know, for those who would diligently seek him. But there were rewards that were not being claimed because we weren't diligently seeking him for those promises. And we had a word about the Lord bringing reward to the house. And reward stood up. He's like, I'm here. I love that. But I feel like that what God is doing here at the storehouse is he's positioning you like a Mary, uh, even during these two days as Hanukkah begins to come to an end, to where like Mary, we could say, let it be unto us according to your word. Let it be unto us according to your word. And see, this was the water of the word that she carried with her to that wedding in John chapter two. And it starts in verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel, oh man, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to, to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And I feel like the Lord is saying this to this house. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Rejoice, highly favored one. And part of what the Lord has, has, has laid on my heart to share with you tonight, and we'll have, probably have to go into tomorrow a little bit, um, is eight new things that I believe the Lord is granting to this house. It's not a giving, it's a granting. Because how many of you know, a, a gifts can be given and gifts can be taken, but grants are yours to stay. And so the Lord began to speak to me about eight, eight, eight things that he was giving to this house, that he, was, excuse me, that he was granting to this house as we transition into the new and never before seen. And how many of you just love that song that Jeremy opened up with? Man, I loved it. I was taking videos and sending it back to our team back home. You know, Bobby Connor was with us in September. Uh, September 29th, we'll be back with us in January along with Paul Keith for a Behold, I Do a New Thing conference. And he gave us a word that, we, that, that, we were, that God was preparing us for the new and never before seen to be a radical revolution that redefines Christianity and it would look so much like Jesus, people would question whether or not it was God. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I've signed up for. <laughs> that we would not claim to be Christians without first being believers. But the Lord would bring us back to the original intent and purpose of our faith. And much of what we've seen the Lord walking out here uh, with, with Storehouse and with John and with Tracy and with Jeremy and the team uh, mirrors what we see God doing there in Birmingham, Alabama and vice versa. We'll call and compare notes and dreams and Revy and, 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 it, and it's like, oh my gosh, 
It's like there's a portal between Dallas and Birmingham, and there really is. There's a highway. And that's, one of the, that's again, one of the, the understandings of this supernatural knitting of hearts, why you can meet somebody, and all of a sudden you feel like, wow, this is family I never knew I had. But we're family. And you know, like I said, you may be the crazy uncle, but you're still family. <laughs> but I feel like this is what the Lord is saying. And, and of those eight things, the one of them is that I, the one of them God is giving is new garments of praise that are going to unlock new garments of favor to bring you into a season of increased stature. And it, favor really is becoming available to you in a brand new way in this season. But I believe it's, it's, it's in the overshadowing of Holy Spirit. He says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I mean, you know, even, even when a good thing shows up, sometimes the, the, the trying to figure out what this is going to look like can create some anxiety, right? Oh, don't worry. Be happy, right? Don't worry. Be happy. Listen, he, you've never had a problem he didn't already have a solution for. And see, one of the things I love about this house is, is, is you're building according to the blueprint. You're not just coming up with ideas. You're not saying, well, this works for them, so that's what we'll do. You're saying, Lord, what, what is the blueprint that you've laid upon our life? And how can we model here on earth the pattern of what we've seen in heaven? And that's what's, that's what's happening here. And this is what was happening to Mary. He says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his king and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the, the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. I do not know a man. And see, I believe that she was looking to an outward source to fulfill something that was God-given. And again, I want to encourage you as you're stepping into this season, this feast of conception, don't look for someone outside to agree with what you carry on the inside. She said, how can this be? I've not yet known a man. And oftentimes we enter into seasons of delay because God has, God has given to us something that we're looking to another man to make happen for us. Listen, what God has given to you, no man can bring to pass and no man can bring down. But God will cause it to be birthed. He will deliver. Isaiah 66, 9 says, shall I bring to birth and not deliver? And I'm telling you, the house is crowning. You are crowning with this word. It goes on to say, verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it, be, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to your word, according to the water of your word. As she carried that water for 30 years, stored up in her heart, wondering if tomorrow's the day, tomorrow's the day, until all of a sudden she shows up at a wedding in John chapter two, and she said, it's no longer about tomorrow, it's about today. And this is where I feel like the Lord wants to posture us even tonight. She goes to the Lord and says, hey, they've run out of wine. And, and, and like, like Jeremy was saying, listen, the, 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 the party just came to them. He was there. The wine himself, the miracle maker just showed up. And she, but he had not yet performed a miracle. 
And you can always look at the first, first, first thing that Jesus did or first mention of anything in Scripture and you recognize a tone and a principle that's repeated throughout Scripture and throughout history. And with this, you see a, a, a principle and a responsibility that we have in partnering with the miraculous. And this is what, it was, this is what the Lord said to her. He said, well, you know, why, what concern is this of mine? And she would not take no for an answer. See, a lot of good Christians would be like, well, man, maybe I missed it. I'm just going to keep on going. He said, it's not yet my time. And a lot of people would take no for an answer. But see, the word, that water that she carried in her heart, had so grown in her as she had pondered for 30 years this angelic visitation, this commissioning, this, time, this, this, this divine conception during a time called Hanukkah, that when she got to that wedding, the promise in her had overtaken her life. She was possessed with one called promise. And he said, it's not yet my time. And she simply turned around and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She looked to the servants and she said, listen, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I'm telling you, we're in a season where the water of the word, the water of promise, that which we have held up until now is about to be turned into wine. And I'm telling you, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do. If some of you, he may be saying, listen, I want you to go to Encounter Jesus School. That's, that's what I'm asking you to do for, for that water you've carried to become wine. I'm calling you into the night. I'm calling you to be a son of a whale. Again, we're in a time of, time of Hanukkah. How many of you know the, the, the miracle of Hanukkah? It's in celebration of, of course, when the Maccabees were able to take back the temple and against the Greek Syrian army. And, and the Maccabees actually means hammer. And it's a time where the hammer of God, the gavel of God, releases justice on earth. The just ice. Cold as ice. Come on now. Willing to sacrifice. No. I was going there. <laughs> I felt God on it. Come on, Dodo. Come on, me and Dodo, we're a majority. <laughs> the hammer, the Maccabees, the gavel of justice is getting ready to fall in the house, in the courts of God. And I'll tell you, when the gavel of God comes down, it releases a sound throughout the city. It releases a sound throughout the city. Turning your Bible to Job chapter 37. I want to show you something. Job chapter 37. Interestingly, this year, first time, first time, you know, it depends on who you look at. You know, the Huffington Post said it's the first time it, it's ever happened, and the last time it's ever happened, I was looking at Chrissy Carlson's Twitter uh, last night, and she 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 tweeted that it wouldn't happen again for 77,298 years or something like that, where Thanksgiving, which possibly, but I ain't planning to be around then, and uh, I'll be around in a glorified state, but but we're, you know, how many of you know that Thanksgiving kicked off Hanukkah? And I believe that the Lord is wanting to highlight uh, a principle to us that thanksgiving is the key to increase and it's the key to the miraculous in our life. You see, October, the Lord began to speak to us. And I remember Tracy and I being on the phone and that October this year was a month to establish. It was a month to patch holes and to trim fat and to allow the roots of where we're called to go to get a little bit deeper in each of our lives. How many of you know October, maybe for some of you, October had the appearance of a, of a lean season. 
Right? Anybody? It actually began May 16th. And I, I remember telling Trace about this, that, you know, we were going through a season May 16th into the fall. We'd be coming out of it November 1st, but it would, it would it, that God was actually going to allow his body, uh, a remnant within his body to go through an apparently lean season and preparation for a coming season of increase in financial blessing. Because how many of you know, it's in times that you, in times of apparent lack that all of a sudden you can do a lot of thing with mustard and bologna. You can get very creative, right? You can do a whole lot of stuff with very little. And it's not about, and it's, and it's not about poverty mindsets or anything like that. It's just about, you know, when, when, you, when you got plenty of money in the bank, you got plenty of things happening, sometimes you're not quite as frugal, right? And 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, let a man so consider as his servants of Christ, stewards of the mystery of God. And in verse 2, it says, a steward must first be found faithful. And so from May 16th all the way through November 1st, the Lord was establishing and he was allowing us to walk through what looked like a tight and a narrow place where we had to lay aside some things. We had to let go and willing to come through and lay hold. And so we've been in a season of letting go so we can come through so now we can lay hold of what God has laid hold of us for. And Shaka's right. Come on now. And so October was a month to establish. The Lord said November would be a month of increase and acceleration, but December would be a month of miracles. <laughs> December would be a month of the miraculous. And the Lord began to speak to us about this prior to uh, understanding the timeline and, 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 and Thanksgiving giving way into Hanukkah. But I believe the Lord wants to, wants to do something here tonight and, and, and jump-starting a brand new season of the miraculous in God. That it would not just be about a meeting where some miracles happen, but all of a sudden the miracle maker could take up residence in us. And we could, we could walk out of this place even tonight, not in just the receiving of a miracle, but in the releasing of miracles. You've heard me say it before. What we need is the mantle of Aretha Franklin. What you want, baby, I got it. I'll tell you, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And there's people all over this city tonight just searching in all kinds of places looking for him. And we got him. We just got to let out what we've been given. Freely give away what we freely received. And we were talking about, you know, it's interesting, in Solomon's temple, again, this is the feast of dedication or the feast of rededication. It's, it's the giving back to God what belongs to him. And in Solomon's temple, when you look at the landscape and the blueprint, how many of you know Solomon's temple was, was a mirrored representation of what was set up in heaven? And there is a place called the treasury room. How many of you like the treasury room? See, Deuteronomy 28, 12 says that there's a time and there's a season for your land when he will open up to you his good treasure, the heavens, and cause it to rain on your land in its season. In its season. And see, God is wanting to open up his treasury. Matthew 6, of course, talks about that where your treasure is, your heart is also. It talks about even in terms of our giving and our finances that we're able to, to make deposits into a heavenly account. How many of you know you don't need that when you get to heaven? We're, we're, we are to live from that reality here on earth. Amen? And, and, and part of the way that we do that is positioning ourselves in worship and positioning ourselves in praise. Interestingly, the, um, uh, in, the, in Solomon's temple, the ark was positioned right under the treasury room. And so it was a position of worship where they, where they were purposely choosing the presence of God as their portion. And in doing that, the treasury room aligned over their life. And see, this is connected to the new garments of praise that are being released to you that are going to unlock new garments of favor because praise brings you into his face. 
Amen? Praise brings you face to face with your king. And Proverbs 16, 15 says, in the light of the king's face, there's life. And his favor is like the cloud of latter rain. That means when you get face to face with Jesus, what's on him rests on you. Rests on you. And that's the cloud that, that, that Deuteronomy 28 was talking about when it said he would open to you his good treasure, the heavens, and cause it to rain on your land and its season. How many of you believe it's Dallas's season? It is. I'll tell you why. You're here. Seriously, you're here. You don't have to wait unless you choose to wait. Because what he's saying to you right now is whatever he, whatever he tells you to do, just like Mary, whatever he says to do, do it. See, because we've been waiting on God instead of waiting with God. And that's one of the reasons I have so much respect for the ministry in this house. And when I say we, I'm not talking about you guys. You're the exception to the rule. But the church as a whole has been waiting on God, like Jeremy was talking about. Waiting on Jesus to come do something instead of waiting with him so we could become something. And it's when we begin to start living from the treasuries of God here on earth. And see, that's what, the, that's what they touched. That's what the Maccabees touched when they came and they found within that temple one day's supply of oil. And they took that one day's supply of oil and they began to put to work what they had. And one day became enough oil for eight days. How many of you know that's, that's speaking of uh, that when we bring our supply into his house, his storehouse, it unlocks a fresh anointing that is needed for the new thing. Eight speaks of new thing, right? It's a new thing. And so they had enough oil for one day. But I want to tell you, Thanksgiving is a key component of the call of this house and a catalyst to this season of increase that God is bringing. And the way that God set up our, our Gregorian calendar and, and, and set up the, the Hebrew calendar this year is a sign and it's a wonder. But more than that, it's a word of wisdom. That Thanksgiving is the key to unlock the gate to the miraculous in our city. Job 37, how many of you are there? Verse one. At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Hear attentively, hear attentively the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He sends it forth under the whole heaven, his lightning to the ends of the earth. Oh, I got a hanky. Thank you. I like to sweat. I like to glisten. I like to perspire. I didn't get my cardio today. It's the jalapenos. Have y'all been to Your Way Burgers? Sweet Jesus. Somebody bring that to Birmingham. That's amazing. I'm telling you, baby Jesus in a manger, that's a good burger. I loved it, but jalapenos. He sends it forth under the whole heaven, his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain them when his voice is heard. God thunders marvelously with his voice. Come on, he thunders marvelously. The thunders of God. The thunders of God. And I remember one of the, I think it was back in March when we were here, we talked about out of Psalm 29 when the God of glory thunders and the nine things that happened and how God was going to thunder in this city. But I believe even what's happening right now in the natural weather is a sign of what even began December. It was in, was it December that we talked about the God of glory thundering? It was a lot, it was, it was December, which was then connected with a lot of the storehouse revelation. And we talked about how the God of glory was about to thunder through this city, but he was going to thunder through the city in response to your praise. You see in Psalm 29, it says to give unto the Lord glory, you mighty ones. And that word glory means praise. It means strength. 
And it talks about how it releases the thunder of his voice upon many waters, and it's a creative voice. And it says that when he begins to thunder upon the waters of your life, it says he'll give strength to his people, and he'll also give his people peace, and he'll give them rest. But here we see another account in Job 37 of when the God of glory thunders. And when he thunders marvelously with his voice, it says, he does great things for which we cannot comprehend. For which we cannot comprehend. Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 64. He said, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would melt like wax. And then he said, man, he did marvelous things for which we did not look. He did marvelous things that we did not see coming. I'm telling you, one of the keys to properly aligning our hearts for what God is wanting to build in this season is cultivating a spirit of expectation, expect, expectancy devoid of expectation. And I've talked to the interns about this. Cultivating a spirit of expectancy devoid of expectation. Expectancy just believes that God will. Expectation tries to prematurely define how he, how he will. It creates, see, expectancy pulls you out of your box. Expectation puts him into one. And so if we can lay aside the weight of expectation of how God wants to build his house and simply just say, God, come build. Come build. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. I, I, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. If you've given me a day's worth of oil, I'm giving it back to you because my one day of oil can become eight in your hands. When I bring my, when I bring my supply into your house, all of a sudden it's multiplied to release a fresh anointing for a new thing. And that's what I feel like the Lord's wanting to release out of the treasuries tonight for this house. He goes on to say, For he says to the snow, fall on the earth. Likewise to the gentle rain and the heavy rain of his strength, he seals the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. The beasts go into dens and remain in their lairs. From the chamber of the south comes the whirlwind. The chamber of the south. And this is connected to Zechariah 9. I'm okay. Zechariah 9, whirlwinds of the south. How many of you know you don't get much more south than Texas? <laughs> right? I was texting some, some folks on our team back home, and they're like, hey, what's the weather like? And I, I did like a, 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 a screen grab of, of the Weather Channel app and sent it to them. It was like 31 degrees at that time. And uh, they're like, aren't you in Texas? <laughs> Isn't it supposed to be hot there? I was like, yeah. But God is opening the treasuries. He's opening the treasuries. It says, from the chamber of the south comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds of the north. By the breath of God, ice is given. That's sound like a job of the hut tongue. Doesn't it? Get like a subtitle, you know, bring me Han. Okay. <laughs> By the breath of God, ice is given. By the breath of God, ice is given. This word breath here, it means the breath of life. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 2-7 when God whoo, breathed into Adam. I'm telling you, God's doing a new thing. See, he had created man, but man was not alive until he had the breath. And what you've been doing over the last years is you've been allowing God to form and to construct and to lay out the skeletal system of who you're called to be. But I want to tell you that tonight God wants to release the breath of life. That by his breath, ice is given. Cold as ice. Come on. Willing to sacrifice. Come on now. 
I feel it. <laughs> By the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen. And also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds and he scatters his bright clouds, which actually means clouds of light. Job 38, 22 says, have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail? I'm telling you, God has treasuries. And even what's happening right now in this natural weather pattern, how many of you know Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, first in the natural, then in the spirit. It's a sign, folks. Yeah. Signs, signs, everywhere signs. Blocking out the scenery, changing my mind. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the sign? Come on now. See, Jesus rebuked him. He's like, you know the weather, but you don't know the times. And he was saying, guys, listen, if you look through this lens of the natural, you can begin to see what I'm wanting to do in the spirit. Because guys, God is wanting to give eyes. He's wanting to give eyes to see what has never been seen before. There's new eyes that are being released. I kept, and I, kept, I, went, I felt it when Chuck was worshiping earlier, you know, that the Lord was releasing eyes and wings, eyes and wings, eyes and wings, that we could see again and have the ability to get where he's wanting to take us. But we would simply be able to just stretch out in faith, enlarge our personal tent stakes, and allow the wind called promise to carry us where we're called to go. I'll tell you, have you been to the treasury of snow? Have you been to the treasury of hail? Isaiah 55. It says that, of course, it's, it's the, you know, you've heard me share this in times past. And just for the sake of time, we'll just move through it quickly. There's a religious spirit that would try to manipulate verse 8 and just try to bring us to verse 11 without recognizing the importance of verse 9 and 10. Verse 8, of course, says, you know, well, his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. So don't try to figure him out because you're stupid and he's not. Right? But how I many you know that's not our Jesus? Because it goes on to say, as far as the head, see, that's what the religious spirit would want to tell you. And that's the excuse the religious spirit will give you to keep you barren when you have been impregnated by God. God is wanting to breathe in your belly. God is wanting to release the breath of life in a way that creates from the inside out. To where what we see on the outside is birth from the inside. But see, what do you have to have to be able to receive that breath? Face-to-face -face encounter. And with that face-to-face -face encounter comes favor. Jesus breathed on the disciples. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why do you have to say that? Because they were probably like, you ever seen anybody in church just all puckered up? I mean, you could just look to your left and see somebody buckered up. <laughs> somebody could take a selfie and see yourself buckered up. <laughs> Pucker selfie. Self pucker. I better stop. <laughs> but see, this is what Isaiah said. He said, as the, as the heavens, now remember, the treasury is in, in heaven, right? As the heavens, as the heavens are from the earth, so are his thoughts from our thoughts and his ways from our ways. So he's saying, here's the treasury that contains the thoughts and the ways of God. And here we are on earth. Our heart is here. His treasury is there. But there's, a, there's an opportunity when we come into the alignment of his blueprint and the seasonal grace that he has given to this house that all of a sudden it says in verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth that it would bring forth to 
bud. He would give bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So shall my word be, my word be, so shall the water be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return void, but it will accomplish that for which I sent it and it will prosper in this place. I'm telling you, folks, the treasury is open. All we got to do is get next to the ark. Just saddle up like Samuel. Saddle up next to Samuel. You know what was beautiful at Samuel? Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, 1. He ministered to the Lord before Eli. He put his priestly call ahead of his temple duties. And it said that he never had to beg his bread from the people. And in verse 19, it said, the Lord didn't let one word that he spoke fall to the ground. He backed him prophetically. In a, in a time and a season where a real word of the Lord was rare, I'm sure there was a lot of people going around calling what they had prophetic. But it, the real word of the Lord was rare until it, he said he could raise up a faithful priest, one who would do according to what was in his heart and his mind. You know what that is? Thoughts and ways. And it said this in, for, uh, of Samuel, in 1 Samuel 2.26, that Samuel grew in favor and wisdom and stature with God and man. The same thing was said of Jesus. And what God is wanting to do in and from this house is to, is just to awake the Samuels. Wake up the Samuels. Wake up the Samuels. I actually feel like there's going to be schools that you guys do that, um, you know, that, that are going to be like, you know, like I've got a buddy who does a, a Daniel school, but I feel like there's something of a, like a Samuel school and, that, and it could be like a K through 12 type deal or something like that. But I feel it's, it's more about raising up priests and prophets to begin to step into a kingly realm. But this is what it said of Samuel. He had a great bed. He had a comfortable place, but he put a, he repented. He repented on behalf of a previous generation that had put comfort ahead of calling and he chose calling over comfort because he was called to the ark. He didn't even know about a treasure room that rested upon that. But in coming to that, the treasuries of God, the thoughts and the ways of God were opened up upon his life to where he could begin to distribute the necessary words that could bring an entire nation out of bondage and could end a season of silence as it relates to the breath of life being released. And see, as we choose his presence, as we choose the ark, not only does the ark choose us, but the treasury room is unlocked over our life. This is the time of dedication, rededicating, giving back to God what belongs to him. Just as, just as they had to recover, not just the temple, but all of the implements and instruments that were, that were necessary for the worship of their God. To maintain uh, worship, to maintain, uh, to tend the flame, like we spoke about the other day with you guys. To keep the fire burning. To keep the incense coming up. It's a feast of conception. It's a time where we, like Mary, can say, let it be, let it be to me, according to your word. It's also a feast of illumination. I love what Jeremy said. I mean, that's like a tweet if I've ever heard one. When he talked about the spirit of wisdom and revelation opening our eyes and making me wise. I mean, when he, when he shared that, I was like, t-shirt. <laughs> that's the ministry of the feast of illumination. This season we're in is not just a time to light some candles. It's a time to rededicate some things in our life and recalibrate some things in our heart. It's a time to open up the deep places of us and allow him to place his purpose in us to where we could be possessed with promise. And from that place, all of a sudden, we go out of here with new eyes because the eyes of our understanding are enlightened to the hope of his calling. So we have something to attach faith to. We have something to attach faith to. Hope deferred has come to an end.
and we've stepped over a little word called but into desire that will be fulfilled, that will become a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12, this, this whole 2013 has been a year of Proverbs 13, 12. I know we spoke about it in March, but I'm telling you, we've come out. Deuteronomy 6, 23 says he brought you out to bring you in. But I can tell you this, thanksgiving is the key. Thanksgiving is the key to the increase. It's the key to the multiplication. It's the key to a season called miracles. How many of you know in John 6, Jesus has two fish and five loaves, and he's looking out at 5,000 hungry hearts and all of their families. And what did he do? He didn't pray this awesome prayer of faith. He didn't start quoting, you know, seed time and harvest scripture. He didn't start, you know, doing any of that. He looked to heaven. He said, oh, man, this is great. And everybody else looking looking around going, does he know something we don't know? Because he recognized he was standing under the treasury because he was the ark. He was the one called ark. He is the one called presence. He's it. And he lived a life under the treasury. And he recognized that when he looked to the treasury with a heart of thanksgiving, it didn't matter what he had in his hand because whatever he had was more than enough to meet the need. And it only looked like one day's oil in their hand. But when they offered it to him, it became a fresh anointing to do a new thing. And that's not my message for tonight. (laughs) We're going to get to that in a second. We're going to go ahead and just receive our offering for tonight. And as I was praying about it, you know, Tracy texted me earlier. She said, what are you feeling for the offering? I said, let me pray and see. See, because... Giving is important to the Lord so much so that he could have said anywhere in the temple and he, so he chose to sit by the treasury. Not just to see what people gave, but also the heart in which they gave it. Amen? Because where your treasure is, your heart is there also. And what I felt the Lord was inviting and asking us to do tonight was simply to bring a thanksgiving offering to him in the belief that it would unlock a gate called miracles. Unlock a gate. How many of you know in Psalm 100 verse 4, it says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I'll tell you, when you come into the courts of the king, his favor comes upon you. Amen? And so if you need an envelope, there's envelopes on the back of the seats. And what we're going to do, uh, if you want to make out checks, you can make them out to HOZ. I already got, is it HOZ or storehouse? Are we switched over? Storehouse. I need to rewrite my check. <laughs> It'll go? Okay. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be the first one to get in on this Thanksgiving offering. And here's what we're going to do. You know, how many of you know Christianity is not a drive through Never in Scripture did an altar come to a sacrifice. Sacrifice always came to an altar. Because it's worship, right? And worship costs us something. And so we're going to ask, just put the baskets up here. And what we'll do is, it's not going to just be some spontaneous release or anything like that. But just as the Lord speaks to you, John 2, whatever he tells you to do, to do, do it. Okay, and there's no pressure. It's an offering of thanksgiving. Thank you, sir. Come on, let's thank the Lord for Bob. Bob, Bob, come on now. But we're gonna, I wanna, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray over all of the offerings tonight and, and, and pray and believe that like the oil, it's going to be multiplied to release a fresh anointing on the house that is necessary and needed for the new thing. But we're not just praying and believing for the house. We're believing for each and every one of your houses as well. And we're also going to have time to minister to everyone personally tonight. We don't want to go late because we do want to be uh, considerate of your time and also the roads. And we'll be here tomorrow. So whatever we don't get done tonight, we can pack in tomorrow. I can talk fast if I have to. And, uh, and so we, ha- we can pack a lot into very little bit of time. Uh, my desire is tonight, my, my, my plan is what I have submitted to 
to the Lord is to be able to talk tonight about, again, those eight new things, and tomorrow night to share a message with you about how the Lord is going to finish what he has started. But even as we're, we're stepping into our, 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 our message tonight, um, go ahead and just continue to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the word that I carry and what would you have me to give to you tonight? What would you have me to offer to you in a heart of thanksgiving to unlock a season of the miraculous, a month of miracles? Because I don't believe it starts with an, I don't believe it starts today and ends on the 31st, but I believe we can step into a grace that never has to end. Amen. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you that we've positioned ourselves under your treasuries. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for thanksgiving that is a key component of this call and a catalyst to the increase that God is bringing to this house in Jesus' name. Interestingly, do you know one of the reasons why Thanksgiving and Hanukkah have converged like this? How many of you know that this year is a leap year on the Hebrew calendar? See, 2013 on, on, the, on, on, our, on our Gregarian calendar was a leap year in the fact that there was a February 29th, right? But in the Hebrew calendar, this is a leap year. And, and, and what it means is there's actually an extra month that has been included on the Hebrew calendar. Did you know that? And it's referred to as a pregnant, yeah, I Google. It's referred to as a pregnant year. A pregnant year. I will not shut up. I got the mic. <laughs> Pregnant year. And so what I want to talk to you about is transition and how to recognize the position we have to birth what God is conceiving. Because when he, the Hebrew year 5774 began, it released us into a pregnant year. And the Hebrew tradition and the Jewish belief is that uh, during, this, during pregnant years, uh, prophetic promises are fulfilled. Prophetic promises that have been delayed for many, many years, all of a sudden, it's like a fullness of time juncture on their calendar. And so it's a time and it's a season where they're like, today is the day and now is the time. Today is the day and now is the time. And it's interesting, the extra month that is given, given is Adar. How many of you are familiar with the month of Adar? Okay. It's actually Adar 1 and Adar 2. It's double Adar. Double Adar. Double dare you. Double dar. Double dar. Double dar. Double door. Double dar. Double door. Double dar. And Matt has now hit the floor. Check his pants. No, I'm just kidding. All right. He had to be there. Okay. Strike that from the tape. The importance of Adar is this. In Esther 8 and Esther 9, there was a time and there was a season where a man called Haman was trying to abort the purposes, promises, and children of God. Right? And it was through unrighteous acts. But there was a hammer called justice that was about to fall on his neck. Ow! And there was a woman called Esther who had found favor. Say favor. She had found favor and the scepter of the king had been extended to her. Now what was it that positioned her? It was preparation of the heart. She had prepared her heart. We know the six months of preparation and the oil and the myrrh and the other six months she spent da, 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 getting ready for the king. And we are now at the end of a 12-month season where we've been getting ready for the king to open the doors to his house. And so what's been happening in the midst of what has felt like the wrestlings of God, which we're going to talk about in a moment because it's always in the wrestlings of God that we get our new name. It's always when we cross over a place called j that all of a sudden we encounter a brand new wrestling match. 
But right now, what God is doing is he's positioning us to receive the king's name and the king's ring. What you got? Put it in there, girl. Just go for it. Come on now. You know what we do at our church? We, don't, we, we actually don't, have, we don't receive offerings at our church. We've actually trained our people over the course of time that we just, there's a constant people getting up, running to the altar and throwing money in. And, and it took some time because people are like, is now the offering? Now? Now? Okay. Like, are we, can we lift our hands? Is this okay? Is this okay? That's good? We're good? Okay. And I said, listen, I said, I believe we become too programmed. Where it's like, okay, we've got our 30 minutes of worship, and then we've got our 15-minute offering, and then he's got a middle of sermon, and da-da-da-da. Let me tell you, Jesus said if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men to him. Not a 30-minute sermon. So whatever it takes to lift up Jesus, that's what we want. And, but what we've done is we've kind of taken the cap off of them in their giving, and whenever they hear something or that, that all of a sudden causes them to jump on the inside, they're like, I'm going to put money down on that. And they get up, and they so into it. They so into it. I don't know about you, but when I see something I want, I take it. I throw a car down, I throw some cash down, I make it happen. And there's something about the kingdom of heaven suffering violence and the violence taken by force. It's going, what you said, I want it, that's mine. And it's laying hold of it by faith. And so anyway, as this thing is taken over in our church, the financial testimonies have gone through the roof. It's amazing that all of a sudden the people here, they're like, oh my gosh, that's for me. We had one guy the other day so into, I was talking about barbecue, and he threw a seed down. I was like, come on now. He's like, I'm believing for a barbecue revival, okay, man? <laughs> I was like, I got faith for that, a barbecue revival. And then then uh, there's a website called Revive Birmingham. The next day, they had on their homepage, Jim and Nick's barbecue at Revive Birmingham. Barbecue revival. I know, it's crazy. This, the mayor's doing it. The mayor's created this website called Revive Birmingham. See, I love it. They're, they're partnering with God's purposes through barbecue. And uh, because I believe that we haven't really stewarded the favor of God until we're releasing the flavor of God. That until our city is, is able to taste and to see that we serve and worship a good God because of the joy that we carry upon our life, we've not really received and stewarded the favor of God that we're called to carry. But it's when the favor of God so captures our heart that all of a sudden we become like that, that sweet little lady at Sam's Club just giving away samples so you'll buy the whole store. Come on now. It's time that we begin to start giving away what has been freely given to us and all of a sudden we'll make even the Jew jealous. I'll tell you, the hammer is about to fall. The hammer is about to fall. So we're in a season. We're in a season called a pregnant year. And this is a time where not only is the king's name being released for our purposes, but also his ring, which speaks of his agreement and his authority. And you only get Papa's ring when you're a son. It's a season of sonship, renewed sonship, that we would not just be servant leaders, but we would be transformed from servants into leaders as sons. Come on. And then, of course, Esther and Mordecai got together and began to rewrite history based on prophetic promise. And that's the call in this house is to rewrite history from prophetic promise. See, because you can write history from a future perspective. You can begin to forge your future from the unseen realm. You can begin to start seeing where God has called you to go and use that as a tool to rewrite history because your, pen, your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And you begin to start prophesying what God is about to do. Job 22, 28 says this. You can, dis you, can you, 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 you can decide and decree a thing. And guess what? The Lord says he'll come and he'll establish it. And he said he's got a light called favor. Say favor. 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 Favor means favor. <laughs> it says if you decide, if you decide, 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 decide. 
West Side. If you decide and decree a thing, it doesn't say decide, decide and politely ask for something. It says if you decide, you make up your mind to where it cannot be changed, like Mary. He's like, hey, no, my time has not come. She, whatever. She gave Jesus the hand. <laughs> he said, it's not come my touch. <laughs> I said, whatever he says, do it. And guess what? The father was like, we're going to give her what she wants. <laughs> because she was a highly favored one. She was a highly favored one. And I want to tell you, you're highly favored. Favored. And if you decide, and if you decree, it says that he'll cause, this is the Amplified, he'll cause the light of his favor to shine on all of your ways. You know, God has a light called, he has a light called favor. He has a light called favor. A light called favor that he wants to shine on your way. But I'll tell you, that light doesn't get turned on until you open up your mouth. Ow, ow. ow. And that's when you can begin to rewrite history from the future. One of the things that God is calling this house to is recovering. Second um, Kings chapter six, uh, the sons of the prophets came to Elisha. And this is what they said. They said, the place that we dwell is, is too small. Um, and, and it wasn't the fact of where they were currently was too small to meet their current needs. It was just all of a sudden they got vision. Say Vision. This is Vision 2014, and, and, and Hosea says that where there is no vision, people perish. They wither away. They begin to die on the limb. See, God wants to impart vision, new eyes and new wings. And see, they began to get vision, not for where they were, but who they were becoming. And they began to look around going, man, this has been good. This has been a nice place up until now, but this ain't going to hold us. We're going to start looking across the street to do something different. We're going to have to start dreaming bigger. And they went to Elisha and they said, hey, listen, the place that we dwell now is too small. He said, you asked a good thing. Go and do what's in your heart. And then they said, will you go with us? He said, absolutely. So as a father, he released them. But also as a father, he came and supported them. He didn't just say, and I'm done with you. You go build, I'll go my way. Turn with me to 2 Kings 6. You got to see this. The who prepare phrase is getting a little loose there. 2 Kings 6. We'll get to our message at some point. Uh oh. I was trying to end it in 10 minutes. We'll see. Go micro machine on you. 2 Kings chapter 6. The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where see now, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he said, Go. Every man brought their own beam. Every person has a piece. Every person has a piece. John and Tracy have a piece. But foosball, you got a piece. You know? Nancy, you got a piece. Yaku's got a piece. There he is. That was good timing right there. That was like prophetic timing. He's opening the door, yeah? Yaku. Yaku got a piece. And an offering. Come on now. That's the way to do it, Yaku. Bam. Way to capitalize on that moment. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, what's being presented here is a blueprint and it's at a table that everybody has their piece of the puzzle, that if all the pieces show up, the puzzle becomes complete. 
it's not a, it's not where superstars have a bigger piece. We all have a piece in, in, in direct proportion to the grace that God has given. In Romans 12, 3, we've misunderstood that when it says to each one is given a measure of faith, and we think that everyone's given the same measure of faith. How many of you ever heard it preached that way? To each one is given a measure of faith, and everybody says, oh, well, everyone's been given the same faith. That is not biblical. If you look at that, if you look at the words and the actual wording in the Greek, it actually, uh, to each is given a measure of faith, and it actually means a stewardship of the gift and grace that they've been given, the charisma that they've been granted. Each of us have been given a different measure of faith based on the call that we've been individually given. You've been given a different measure of faith than me, and you've been given a different measure of faith than me, and so forth and so on. We've all been given the measure of faith for what we're called to do, and that's a faith that we grow in. Amen? See, gifts are given, but authority we grow into. And that's what God is doing, is he's wanting us to recognize our peace and not compare our peace with theirs. Because it's when you occupy your peace and you're present at the table with your peace in this house as a part of the family, that then all of the, all of the spots on the wall are occupied and the city can be restored. The city can be rebuilt. The city can be raised up. But first, the walls have to be restored. So the watchmen have a place to stand. So 2 Kings 6. He said, then one said, please consent to go with your servants. He answered, I will go. So first he says, you go. And they said, will you go with us? Absolutely. See, and that's one of the things on this house is a fathering and a mothering in, in terms of a spiritual parenting that releases you in the desire of your heart, but then also helps to bring understanding of how to allow the blueprint that God has given to you for what he's placed in your heart to be unfolded in a way that's healthy and sustainable for a long time, to produce fruit that remains. And it goes on to talk about, so he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. In other words, they were using something that was not theirs. They were given it. These, these sons were entrusted with something, and they lost it because they didn't have a handle on what had been given. This speaks of understanding. It speaks of understanding. But thank God they had a father in the house. Because they had a call to harvest the field to build the house. Amen? And so it goes on to say, so the man of God say, where did it fall? And he showed in the place. So he cut off a stick, which is a picture of a cross, and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand, and he took it. Where did it fall? Where did it fall? And one of the things that I feel like God is going to do in this house is he's going to use you to recover the iron axe heads of others. Others who have walked, and I started seeing it specifically connected with the voice of healing. The voice of that, that 1947 to 1951, I saw specific Jack Coe, A.A. Allen. I know they're not necessarily from here, but coming through here, you know, Gordon, Lindsay, guys like these. I know, now I know that, you know, you know, Christ for the Nation, of course, they got that, but, but there's, I'm telling you, there are axe heads waiting to be picked up. There are axe, yep, John G. Lake's another one. There are axe heads in this city waiting to be recovered, but you've got to go back to the place that they've been lost. You've got to go back to go to the future. You've got to go back to the future. And Mariah Woodworth Edder. And see, listen, what, what was the vehicle? Okay, it was the DeLorean, but it had to get up to what? 88, new beginnings, right? New, 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 right? It's oil, it's eight days oil, eight days oil, eight days oil. He's giving us a new way to get to a new place. But we got to recover what's been lost so we can harvest the field to build him a house. Amen? All right, real quickly, I got five minutes to get my message out here. She could have boom, boom. We'll see. Again, we're here, we'll be here all week, so we don't have the. I'll, I'll give you the overview so you can write it down, whatever we can't get to, at least you know it's coming. Um, 
these eight things that as I, was, as I was praying about it and about this transitioning into, as we look at transitioning into the new and never before seen, the first thing is a new name that brings with it a new identity and a new wineskin. A new name, a new identity, and a new wineskin. The second thing is new garments of praise and new garments of favor that will bring you into a season of the increase of stature. The third is new relationships, new friends, and new family. The fourth is new acts of God's power and the increase of his presence. Now, again, what is the key to increase? Being thankful for what you got. Being thankful for what you got. Uh, were you there in 2008 with us? I know Vince was. In 2008, I remember we, we had a, an outpouring beginning. And it was just a couple days in. And, and, and as it was beginning, I remember I was worshiping to the right of the platform. And as I was, I, I just started thanking the Lord. I was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with thanksgiving. For what he was doing with the, the children and the little ones. See, because Psalm 8, 2 says, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength and perfected praise. And I, I texted Vince about it earlier. I said, I, said, I said, well, Matthew must have the anointed onesie. It's the mantle of Psalm 8, 2, which it says, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise and ordained strength. And I was thanking the Lord about the way that he was visiting the kids. And as I'm just thanking him, all of a sudden, a blue fire, and this is all caught on video, a blue flame visible to everyone in the natural comes down out of heaven, consumes me, and changes my life. And I, in that encounter, I thought I was going to die. It seemed like hours. Things were being changed in me, in me on a molecular level. And I, and I began to intercede for my family with God. I thought I was gone. Asking the Lord to take care of Tina. And that time we had just had Joshua, Caleb, Samuel was not yet born. Actually, no, Samuel had just been born because he was born right before it. And in fact, that's a whole other thing about the Samuel generation. The Lord, the Lord actually had me name him Samuel Jason Hooper, uh, you know, and that, and, and, and that when he actually preached a message called his reigning sideways, and I prophesied in that message when he was born, it was right after Richard Roberts was with us talking about Oral, when Oral was about to pass. Um, I said, listen, I said, when he says, and I'm never going to tell him this, but when he says, dad, it's raining sideways, the Samuels are going to begin to wake up. And it was a really weird deal, but I had this whole encounter about it, and the Lord showed me it raining sideways, and, and, and then all these Samuels began to stand up. And when we moved to Birmingham, it was actually the week we were moving into our house, and it's this whole other prophetic encounter, and, and uh, that has a lot of other application to here and also to there that we may be able to get into over the next two days. We walk out of Walmart getting some stuff for the new house, and it's raining, and it's raining hard, and it's just me and Sam holding hands. And when we walk out, he looks up and goes, Dad, it's raining sideways. And see, we moved into a house that I'd had a dream about on 11-11 where I'd seen, uh, seen the, the, the door in and the door up. And, and, and I recognized this, the, the promise that was being given, but I'd also dreamed about it June 6th and positioning for promise and preparing for rain. I read an article about it, went on the Elijah list, and a lot of it you know, had to do with uh, houses that restore be houses of much more and all these things. But it had to do with preparing for a coming storm that would carry with it revival. Out of it was that whole thing about uh, these five handmaidens, which again spoke of the intercession, going door to door, asking if there was anyone to restore. Isaiah 42, 22 says, who will, who will hear for the time to come? It says, there's a people robbed and plundered. They live in prison houses because no one says restore. And, one of the, and part of the opening of these doors is these will be doors that people will be able to walk through to become restored. I'm not talking about being restored to function. I'm talking about being restored in identity. See, because too long we've identified ourselves with our function instead of our function being an outflow of our identity. 
People come up and go, hi, I'm the drummer. I'm sorry, what, what was your name? <laughs> right? Saying, you know, coming to the table based on what we do, hey, that, wasn't, that wasn't for you, buddy. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a guy actually introduced himself to me. It's good to see you, though, man. It, a guy, <laughs> he, he looked at me, he was like, who's he talking to me? But <laughs> Great job tonight, by the way. A guy introduced himself to me like that, and I realized how backward we've got in the church, that people feel like if they don't have a function to bring to the table, they don't have a seat. That's one of the things I love about what God is doing in Encounter Jesus School and the Sons of Oil, that it starts from the inside and goes out. That as people begin to identify the peace that they carry in their life, not because they've picked it up and borrowed it from somebody else and it looked good on somebody else's table, but it's what God was conceiving in them in a moment like now. So the fifth thing is new weapons and strategies for the wars ahead. Lord told me to tell you the battle has begun, but it's a battle that's already been won. Your position, your position in praise, your position is praise and your function is to plunder. Your position is praise in terms of, and I don't know how far we're going to get into all this, but I want to give you this now. In terms of weapons and strategies, your position is praise, but your function is to plunder the camp of the enemy. And 2 Chronicles 20, it said this. It said, when Judah came to a certain place, a high place overlooking a valley of death where the enemy had gathered the spoils of many generations. And they looked down and they saw all of a sudden, and I remember we, we actually, we, we, we preached this here. And it was when Cat got up, we began to sing, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on now. Remember that? And see, if you would look back at the prophetic timeline of what God has had us release here, you can see how all of these things have played out. But as they overlooked a valley, they, re they recognized, wait a minute, there's no longer an enemy in the valley, just his stuff. And that stuff's our stuff. And that stuff's our father's stuff. And that, that, those are ax heads that generations before us have laid down, and I'm going to take it because that's mine. And they went down there and they took it. And it took them three days just to pick up the stuff because there was so much plunder. So your position is praise, but your function will be plunder. That's going to lead to new sounds and new songs. That's why it was so important for you to capture the current sound and to get the songs out because it's in the giving away of those sounds and songs that God's going to give you new sounds and songs. And the house as a whole, but there's a timeline of, of, of the importance of what you did. Uh, the seventh thing is new anointings and new mantles. The eighth is new levels of authority.